Hello and welcome to this audio version of the Universal Prior Substack, where I write about all things related to brains, minds, and their possible uses. My name is Jan, and I'll be reading some of the posts that I publish. If you like what you hear, consider checking out the blog at universalprior.substack.com and subscribe to get a notification whenever a new post is released. And now, without further ado, Cognitive Biases in Large Language Models Humans, one may say, are the cyanobacteria of AI. We constantly emit large amounts of structured data, which implicitly rely on logic, causality, object permanence, history, all that good stuff. All of that is implicit and encoded into our writings and videos and data exhaust. A model learning to predict must learn to understand all of that to get the best performance. As it predicts the easy things, which are mere statistical pattern matching, what's left are the hard things. Quern. Meta, this post summarizes the results from my project for the AGI Safety Fundamentals Fellowship by EA Cambridge. Introduction. Large language models like GPT-3, or YAN, get their capabilities by learning from copious amounts of text collected from the internet. While this approach results in remarkable general capabilities, it also comes with certain caveats. Since the text on the internet stems from humans, it contains all of our good, bad, and ugly. Interacting with a language model without safeguards can feel a bit like opening Pandora's box. Reports and worry about biases in large language models abound, with good reasons. Removing these biases and constructing models that internalize human values, as opposed to the unsatisfactory reality of human behavior, appears critical for these models to reach their full potential and, in fact, to be safe to use at all. Removing biases from large language models is a particularly illustrative case of what is more generally called the alignment problem, the problem of producing AI that is aligned with human values. The general problem has many nuances and can be decomposed, but the specific problem of removing unwanted biases is already tough enough to hint at the difficulty of the general problem. While some problems of language models disappear with increasing scale, such as arithmetic, the opposite appears to be true for societal and religious biases, which are enhanced in large language models. Multimodal models apparently are even worse by incorporating the worst of both worlds when it comes to biases. It appears, unsurprisingly in retrospective, that large models are even better at capturing existing biases in the training data. Reducing these biases from the model after training is possible, and so is applying strong filters against biased language. But some argue that if you're debiasing the model, it's already too late, and the problem has to be tackled at the level of the training data. Given that societal and religious biases have received such a large amount of attention, I was surprised that I was not able to find anything on whether language models also exhibit cognitive biases. Cognitive biases are specific predictable error patterns in the human mind, and they are central to the heuristics and biases program in cognitive psychology that led to a Nobel Prize in economics given to a psychologist. They affect our beliefs, decisions, and memories, and, interestingly, many of them manifest in our language. This raises the question of whether signatures of human cognitive biases also subsist in large language models, whether these biases become more or less pronounced with model size, and whether standard debiasing techniques can reduce their impact. 
In this project, I used biased and debiased natural language queries to investigate the prevalence of cognitive biases in language models of different sizes. I first focused on biases in immediate judgment and found that biases in immediate judgment are present in language models and tend to get more severe with model size. Investigating these biases provides an interesting perspective on the cognitive mechanisms that produce the biases in humans. Logical fallacies, in contrast, turn out to be very hard to evaluate and raise important questions about the role of logical inference in natural language. Finally, I note some limitations of the project and point out the potential wide-ranging applicability of the proposed methodology in cognitive psychology. Oh wow, that rhymed. Results Text generation with language transformer models of varying sizes. To investigate cognitive biases in large language models, I adapt the typical experimental protocol of studies in cognitive psychology to a free-form survey format. In particular, I select two cognitive biases associated with immediate judgment discrepancies, the halo effect, originally investigated by Thorndike in 1920, and the Dunning-Kruger effect, proposed by Kruger and Dunning in 1999, and two cognitive biases in logical reasoning, the conjunction fallacy typically attributed to Tversky and Kahneman in 1981, and Luria's camels from Luria in 1976. I have selected these examples for the ease with which they can be translated into a free-form survey format. From the standard formulation of the query, I then derive a debiased version. For biases with immediate judgment discrepancy, I compose the debiased version from the first sentence of the Wikipedia article describing the bias, followed by the sentence, I am trying to avoid this bias, and then the original query. For logical biases, the debiased prompt was constructed to counter particular behavior observed with the bias prompt. Since capabilities and biases of a model are affected by model size, I set up a free text survey pipeline that takes the biased or debiased query as an input and feeds them into one of five language models deployed with the Hugging Face API. Uh, the model sizes range from the OpenAI GPT-1 model with 110 million parameters all the way up to GPT-2 extra large with 1.5 billion parameters. The language models then repeatedly sample 50 new tokens given the query. The resulting text is processed depending on the task either by keyword matching or by sentiment analysis and finally visualized. Signatures of cognitive biases relating to immediate judgments. Halo effect. The halo effect, Thorndike, 1920 is the tendency for positive impressions of a person, company, brand, or product in one area to positively influence one's opinion or feelings in another area. It appears to have survived the replication crisis, at least I can't find any evidence to the contrary on the relevant platforms. It is complemented by the horn effect, which causes one's perception of another to be unduly influenced by a single negative trait. Exploring this bias with the survey pipeline revealed that language models have a strong tendency to produce text with a positive sentiment given the biased prompt. Indeed, the sentiment of the produced text gets more extreme and positive sentiments get slightly more pronounced with increasing model size. The naive attempt of debiasing the behavior of prepending an explanation of the bias did not affect the results. This result is not too surprising, given that even relatively small language models start to develop representations of a text sentiment. Thus, it's likely that maintaining a consistent sentiment in the generated text is generally a good strategy for reducing loss on random text from the internet. Sentiment consistency is also able to explain model behavior on modifications of the task. 
While somewhat trivial from a technical perspective, this result has interesting implications for the study of the halo effect in humans. Dominant theories explaining the halo effect posit a substantial amount of high-level cognition. They require abstract concepts, distinct cognitive processes and complex behavior. The language model explanation, stable sentiment allows reducing prediction error, in contrast posits no higher cognition and is thus more parsimonious. Might it therefore also be the more adequate explanation of the phenomenon in human? A potential test would be to perform a survey in which humans are asked to predict the personality of inanimate objects that are described to them as either attractive or unattractive. Dunning-Kruger Another bias relating to immediate judgment is the Dunning-Kruger effect, a presumed cognitive bias stating that people with low ability at a task overestimate their own ability and that people with a high ability at a task underestimate their own ability. The popular science treatment of this effect typically exaggerates the magnitude of the effect. Dumb people think they are smarter than actual smart people and vice versa. But the result from the original paper gives a much more nuanced picture. It appears like everyone, on average, is just equally bad at estimating their performance, leading to a uniform estimate of logical reasoning ability around the 65th percentile. This also matches the behavior of the language models, independent of their size. Somewhat surprisingly, for the debiased prompt, self-assessment of the model tends to slightly increase with the model size. Individual estimates are essentially uniformly distributed, resulting in a flat average estimate across model size. It would be interesting to see if the same holds also for the individual participants in the original study by Kruger and Dunning. They only displayed average statistics. Again, the explanation for why the language model is unable to assess its own performance, it is not able to test, evaluate and compare its performance before generating a response, appears more parsimonious than contemporary psychological explanations such as few people want to rate themselves as below average or as the absolute best. Signatures of cognitive biases relating to logical fallacies. Conjunction fallacy. The conjunction fallacy is a formal fallacy that occurs when it is assumed that specific conditions are more probable than a single general one. The correct answer is typically justified with elementary probability theory. But this argument has been criticized extensively as being at odds with conversational maxims. For this reason, it appears potentially fruitful to investigate whether a language model tends to respond in a way that is consistent with probability theory, which should govern frequencies in the real world, or consistent with conversational maxims, which should govern the frequencies of words occurrence on the internet. Initially, it appeared as if real-world frequencies are dominant, as models exhibit a strong preference for the non-conjunctive first option. However, reversing the order in which options are presented revealed that the output is not at all affected by the content of the options, but rather only by the order in which they are presented. Additionally, the conjunction fallacy prompt tended to generate the largest number of invalid responses out of all the investigated prompts. While I was not able to answer the question posed at the beginning of the section, I was still able to reproduce a different prominent result from survey methodology. Question order matters. In addition, qualitative experimentation with a larger language model like Jan, 6 billion parameters, see the beginning of the section, demonstrates that larger language models are able to produce the correct answer alongside an adequate explanation for why it is the correct answer. Luria's camels. 
What I term Luria's camels is, on the task level, just the test for syllogistic reasoning, i.e. an argumentative pattern for deductive logic that derives from provided premises that a stated conclusion is true. The ability to perform syllogistic reasoning increases over human development and arguably forms, as a central part of deductive logic, the basis of good old-fashioned artificial intelligence. Since the logical consistency of produced text is currently still one of the weakest points of large language models, investigating how the ability to perform syllogistic reasoning changes with model size appears as an interesting question. The reason for calling the task Luria's Camels is to connect the task with the experiment performed in the early 1930s by A. R. Luria and the associated controversy. The following dialogue with an illiterate peasant named Nazir Said was interpreted by Luria to demonstrate the difficulties of the peasant to perform hypothetical syllogistic reasoning. Beginning of quote. Question. There are no camels in Germany. The city of Berlin is in Germany. Are there camels there or not? Answer. I don't know. I've never seen German villages. If Berlin is a large city, there should be camels there. Question. But what if there aren't any in all of Germany? Answer. If Berlin is a village, there's probably no room for camels. End of quote. The unwillingness of Nazir Said to make the inference can be interpreted in a number of ways. Either a refusal to make inferences outside of the domain of personal experience, or a refusal to trust the inference and to fall back to a different, apparently equally valid syllogism. Every large city has camels, B is a large city, therefore B has camels or a refusal to cooperate with a representative of the oppressing colonizer. Consequently, the seemingly straightforward syllogistic inference becomes highly context-dependent and represents another example where probability theory is at odds with conversational maxims and pragmatics. Nonetheless, the language model is reasonably competent at performing the syllogistic inference, answering white in more than 50% of cases, and performance increases further with model size. Interestingly, the failure mode of the largest models mirror that of the human subject interviewed by Luria. Prepending the description of the Aristotelian syllogism and an assertion of its validity does not improve model performance but instead slightly degrades it. Why might a language model only sometimes be able to perform syllogistic reasoning? I would expect it to do so to the extent that it has observed valid syllogistic reasoning in the training data. Since, in practice, almost nobody ever performs explicit syllogistic reasoning instead falling back on anthemes, other principles are likely to take precedence. For example, while the Luria's camels prompt does not suffer from potential question order effects, the word white does appear in the prompt and might bias the model towards repeating that word in its response. Also, the model should be more likely to produce true statements in general, bears are usually brown, black or white, than to produce whatever follows logically from the stated premises. Thus, I would expect poor performance on a syllogism like, start of quote, all bears are green, where there is always sunshine. In Sovaya Semlia, there is always sunshine. What color are the bears there? Green. End of quote. But learning the lesson from the controversy surrounding Luria's experiment, we should not be too quick with labeling the model's performance as wrong. Instead, we might take it as a call to inspect the implicit assumptions of deductive inference in natural language. Discussion and conclusion. 
In this project, I have constructed a free-form text survey pipeline for investigating signatures of cognitive biases in large language models. I found that while biases in immediate judgment appear to be mostly preserved in language models, biases in logical reasoning are much harder to evaluate. Limitations. Due to time and compute constraints, I did not include very large models in the survey pipeline. As some general reasoning capabilities only appear in sufficiently large models, it is possible that the results described here do not extend to larger model sizes. In the future, I plan to also include the 6 billion GPTJ model as well as a version fine-tuned on my personal notes. Selecting the exact phrasing of the prompt for querying the model was a challenge. I decided to stay as close as possible to the phrasing from the original experiment to maximize comparability. The disadvantage of this approach is that the phrasing of the original experiment can be readily found on the internet, alongside extensive explanations and analysis. In future work, I would like to augment the set of prompts with novel examples that should produce the respective bias also in humans. This would, however, require additional verification by human subjects, substantially increasing the scope of the project. Similarly, systematically exploring more successful debiasing prompts might also require human verification. Finally, there obviously were some degrees of freedom in how I construct the post-processing step, the effect of which I have not explored systematically. Outlook. I see the exploration of cognitive biases and language models as a previously unexplored but potentially fruitful link between cognitive science, psychology, and machine learning. In particular, detailed lists of cognitive biases in human thought are readily available and much has been theorized about the scope and underlying mechanisms. Existing research in cognitive science, psychology, might provide a roadmap for evaluating the reasoning capabilities of large language models while also providing a possible benchmark for comparison and alignment with human performance and values. At the same time, language models provide a natural substrate for exploring parsimonious explanations of cognitive phenomena. While disentangling the exact mechanisms by which language models capture syntactic and semantic properties of the world is a work in progress, the coarse-grained objective of the language model is clear, outputting tokens that would minimize prediction error on the training set. As it seems likely that the brain also does some amount of predictive processing, an explanation of a cognitive bias purely in terms of minimizing prediction error on the usual domain might have substantial descriptive and explanatory power. This was an audio version of the Universal Prior Substack. If you enjoyed, consider subscribing to the Substack. See you next time!